According to the Oxford Dictionary, a unicorn is a mythical animal or something that is highly desirable but difficult to find or obtain. Regarding today's guests, you can say that again. Join me, Nancy Steele, your host, to learn how two American musicians are living and working one hour and 20 minutes north of Rome on work visas. Welcome to episode 12 of Affordable Italy, Living with Dolce Vita on a Bootstring. Ciao. If expatriation and immigration are on your mind, you've looked at Italy and wondered, is it possible? I did. In 2019, I was certain we could do it. In 2020, the world changed. And due to our reaction to it, our situation changed as well. I was no longer certain that Italy was within our reach. Plus, rumors about taxes and visas had me both confused and worried. Thanks to my favorite podcast, Retire There with Gil and Jean, and a bevy of generous immigrants who've gone before, as well as a personality that tends to doggedly seek to turn lemons to limoncello, my dream was rekindled. I decided to get my questions answered directly from first-person sources already experiencing affordable Italy, living la dolce vita on a bootstring. Join me as we explore with expats and experts if a future in Italy could be on your horizon. For those of you who join us on Facebook from time to time to discuss all things affordable living in Italy, as well as tax and visa strategies, you know that there are some things I like to call unicorns. Well, today's guests are unicorns. When one considers that globally there are terribly few Italian visas allowed for immigrants to work and earn in Italy, you truly are a unicorn to win one of those, let alone two. Zenaba Bowers and Matt Walker are these mythical guests. In 2019, after living carefully to afford approximately 48 trips to Italy over 13 years, they sold everything, including their house, and moved to a tiny town one hour north of Rome to their upper story 500 square foot apartment with four cats, remarkably, on work visas. Their careers were <laughs> exceptional, and I cannot begin to imagine the anxiety they must have experienced as they blew up their lives right before the whole world changed. They are both Grammy-nominated classical musicians and producers who had lived in Nashville and worked with the Nashville Symphony for 20 years, in addition to founding a chamber music group called Alias. Their CVs are so long and honored that I'd have to do an additional podcast to interview them if I included it all here. One meaningful snapshot to me, though, is of Zenaba, a serial Grammy-nominated recording producer, concertmaster and violinist who at one time developed that Tennessee Project's concert series highlighting the music of American immigrants. She was interviewed stating, We wanted to celebrate the fact that most of our beloved musical traditions are the result of immigrants to the U.S. bringing their creative culture to our shores. Life can be so ironic, can't it? <laughs> <laughs> Matt, a blues guitarist and a Grammy-nominated classical cellist and recording producer, once wrote a cello duet with a friend who later played it with Yo-Yo Ma. The following year, Matt actually played that same duet with with Yo-Yo Ma at the Nashville Symphony as an encore. Matt was quoted as wondering whether he should quit as he didn't believe he'd ever actually top that. But in this non-music, non-expert's opinion, he most certainly did. In 2020, during the Italian lockdowns, these two incredible people performed 62 nights live and online to their new country and neighbors, which is where the CBS Sunday Morning Show found them. But how did they end up in Italy? Previous to moving, they had started Little Roads Europe, making small-town itineraries to Italy and Ireland for travelers wanting to get away from the tourist hotspots. They've written four award-winning guidebooks in that vein. In 2023, they published a memoir recounting the crazy details of their uprooting. It's called 
I can't believe we live here. The wild but true story of how we dropped everything in the States and moved to Italy right before the end of the world. You'll currently find them eating, writing, working freelance, playing music, and with cats in Soriano, Nel Cimino, or at littleroadseurope.com. Zeneba and Matt, welcome to Affordable Italy, where you are living with Dolce Vita on a bootstring. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. That yeah. is the most thorough, most complete bio I have ever heard. I swear, you know more than my own mother. I swear. Oh, your mother must be really proud. <laughs> Extremely uh, impressed. Hey, uh, you reminded me of stuff I forgot. Oh, so, there, there are just some nuggets out there about you guys. And again, there's so much <laughs> more. Your CVs are, are just huge. So yeah, oh, kudos cheers, to you cheers. guys. And I can't imagine the terror that you experienced in leaving. Um, so to get started, tell us a little bit about your 48 trips to Italy and how you traded your Nashville lives for work visas in Italy. Right. Well, we started um, on our honeymoon was the first time that we ever traveled. I had been to Italy before working um, as a student in a couple of different opera festivals. I had this affinity uh, for it because I just as a young woman I was here it was just a nice day Matt had never left the United States and when we got married we were in our like well I was in my early 30s somebody else was cool. in their mid-30s all right and all right. Um, <laughs> anyway when we got married you know we had really kind of different likes and dislikes and um, he really liked camping he really liked road trips in the U.S. And I really, really wanted to go to Europe. I Camping for me was like single ply toilet paper. I was really <laughs> not like feeling that whole thing. So I asked him if he would take a chance with me and have our honeymoon be a trip to Italy. And it would be his first time out of the country. And we got married in our backyard uh, really, really cheaply. My dress cost $32. And... Was it 56? 30, it was 36. 36.25. That's right. <laughs> and um, anyway, so it was, so we put all the money towards the honeymoon. We're, and then, we're counting all the dollars <laughs> at that point. And already. He really liked it. He, he really liked beer, but we did kind of the typical thing where we started in Rome. Then uh, we took a car after Rome and we drove up to Venice through the countryside. And it was in, it was in these in-between places between Rome and in this case, Venice, the, the, the places that we saw in between were really struck me as special and interesting and as, as beautiful as Rome is and Venice is, there's no place like either of those cities and the artworks and the architecture there are obviously totally unique, mm -hmm. but we, we found so many, fantastic little places that were totally uh devoid of tourists you kept returning again and again like when you would recount the trip you would talk about it the parts that you really talked about were that those small places that we went in mm -hmm. between and then that kind of launched our idea of well let's keep looking for those places and you know we lived in a big city if you want to say it that way in nashville i mean it does have a million people it's quite touristy yes. and uh so you'd kind of get your your urban fix in Nashville, if you were looking for crowded streets and um, lots and lots of restaurants and buzzing nightlife and all yeah, that. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. so the idea of like smaller places really appealed to us. So, so then we just started going to smaller places in general. And then I think we were taking these little trips and we realized that you could do it really quite cheaply, especially if you were going to smaller places, not at the height of summer. And not going to these like 
five-star resorts and all the places that you would read about in, for example, like New York Times travel section. Or, I mean, those places are really nice, but they're spendy. You didn't yeah. have to spend 250 bucks a night like you would have to in Rome or Venice or, or Nashville for that matter. Sure. Yeah, uh, sure. For, think, for anything any good. I think Americans kind of have some of an idea that small towns don't have anything in them because we have focused a lot of our energy on large towns and large corporations. And so the small towns have kind of overrun by town, by big stores like Walmart, big chain stores. So the little mom and pop shops and restaurants are, have a have struggle to stick around and are more unusual. Whereas here in Europe and in Italy in particular too, this small independent hotels, uh, restaurants that's the norm huge cultural difference so mm -hmm. like is there are there chain restaurants I mean yes they're technically but there's none in our town or any of the towns around us and and the chain restaurants might be American versions there's a Burger King we could drive 25 mm -hmm. minutes to mm -hmm. um, but it's mo that's more of a novelty my point is that I think Americans when you just generally think of small towns they think it's not going to be very fun or very nice or very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And then, or very interesting. Yeah. I think they think that. And then but but often when you talk to travelers, the thing that they're looking for is what they would say, quote unquote, real Italy and authenticity, tradition, a slower life uh style, slower pace. Places frequented a, by a locals. Beautiful place, a place where they could interact with locals. All of that is small town. In Rome, they do not have time for you, darling. Yeah. They are busy <laughs> yeah. with the billions of other Americans. And they're busy trying to figure out how to stock Slim Jims and Starburst. I think, I don't know, it's just a, it's a challenge. And Rome still has these things that are unique and everyone should see. But I think what, how it is portrayed in film and TV is really not accurate anymore mm -hmm. yeah. and it's it's a big city so are all these big cities so anyway we started going to these smaller places and then we realized we really really liked it and we could afford to go much more frequently in february 2019 we came here to soriana for the first time on the recommendation of some friends um they said oh my god they're foaming at the mouth you got to see this town this is the best town and everybody says that we didn't really believe about, them. about whichever little small town in italy that they might have visited okay the whole but we were Country. willing to give it a roll because uh, we found two tickets to fly here for a week that combined with a car and it was $1,100, the both tickets nice. together plus the car for a week. Wow. And then that, that was kind of a fluke, but often when you combine flight and car, it is pretty good. Oh, hot tip and for then, me there. Yeah. It's a That's, good one. Yeah, and then yeah. when we came here to Soriano, there was a... Uh, apartment. It was a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment looking right out over the piazza, the main Directly piazza. above the central square, yeah. Just perfectly located. Directly and across from the cathedral. For a week, mm. that was 300 bucks. Nice. And so, you know... For I an remember, entire week. Not like for the, the entire whole night. week. Yeah. The whole week. Yeah. And there have been a lot of places that we have stayed like that. There was a place we stayed in Tuscany in a very small town that was a three-story home uh, with a teeny little, teeny little balcony that you could just put a chair on. But it was a three-story home with a four-poster bed. It had a huge fireplace, and it had a big kitchen. And they, for two weeks, they got us for $600 for that. In theory, there are trains and buses that might go to some of the places that we visit, but 
that would be a really difficult way to go. And so for the most part, the way we travel is, no, I shouldn't say for the most part entirely, the way we travel is by car. Okay. Uh, in order to be able to reach these more out of the way places, no, the the small town aspect of it was making it more affordable, and then we and that- we ended up amassing this body of knowledge that people were attracted to when when Zen would post her stories about our travels online. People were attracted to this, and she, they started contacting her, saying, "Hey, hey, I I want to take a trip like what you guys do. Can you help me? Uh, can you help me do this? What did you, how oh. did you do that so cheaply and so whatever? And, and so for a while, Zen was uh, fielding some of these queries. And then some friends of ours who were and are much more business savvy than we are, they said, hey, dummies, <laughs> what, you're, what, you're offering, what you're offering is a service based yeah. on a- You a, guys a, found a niche. A, you made a, a niche. A particular yeah. body of knowledge. And so you should, you should turn this into a business. And so we did. And that's what became Little Roads Europe. Little Roads Europe. And now, okay. And now what we do is we make itineraries for other clients and and this is a this is a pretty good business model compared to what we were doing before which was <laughs> eating up <laughs> eating up hundreds and hundreds of hours oh my. <laughs> and but i would say in general like the affordability of those places depends on the eye of the beholder of the consumer who has to value the history and the uniqueness and the culture over like an elevator uh, mints on the pillows thread and count sheets or 300 a lot 300 is a lot is it man, i was going to say thousand thread count sheets i don't know if that exists well that would be better though wouldn't well it? let's move on okay <laughs> but, um, but anyway you're like, not going to get that like the redefinition for us of luxury which would be i think it's very luxurious to stay in a 13th century tower oh my goodness yes I think so with that in mind, if travelers are looking for unique and affordable places to stay, those abound here. Yeah. So, but you have to know somebody who can help get you there unless you want to spend your 48 trips finding them. (laughs) Well, that's sort of, that's sort of the thinking. Yeah. You bottled and packaged your 48 trips. When did this turn from that uh, revelation to, to start little roads Europe? Maybe we want to live in Italy. As Zen said, we went, first on our honeymoon in 2006. We started Little Roads in 2014, I think. And uh, it doesn't take, honestly, that many trips to Italy before you start thinking, hey, I would like to live here. And we used to look at the properties in the um, real estate windows or just an actual building that somebody lived in. And we would say, I can't believe they get to live here. We were thinking what a fantasy it would be to live here. I can put a little bit of a focus on it where it moved from, hey, wouldn't it be nice to, boy, we should really move. Probably around, uh, I don't know, 2016 or something. And I don't want to say that there was any particular like event. Like maybe in, in November of 2016. Potentially. But <laughs> it might have been yeah. around then more or less. We did yeah. start looking in earnest. So, but but it all worked out here to come to Italy. And then uh, then mostly then I, I helped once in a while, but usually I would just like do dishes or vacuum or something while she was researching. <laughs> this uh, work visa idea was what eventually came about. Okay, so your sites were first on the work visa, which is just shocking because most not, people- Well, not, not necessarily. We had looked, did a lot, a lot of research about it before and everything we were hearing was quite discouraging. Okay. It sounded like the best way to get here would be if you were retired and you had a ton of money. And that was like, how is that going to happen for us? Like, if you have, I'm if you be... have enough passive income to meet their threshold, yeah, you've got a ton of money. Yeah, so as we looked at our, it was funny because honestly, we had done everything quote unquote right. Uh-huh. We both started investing in our retirement plans early. Mm-hmm. 
uh, once we got done paying for my college debt, sorry, um, <laughs> we didn't have any debt except for the mortgage of our home, um, which we always paid more than we needed to pay. And we had moved from a 30-year to a 15-year and then refinance to make it even better. You know, always bought the worst car possible, like the Flintstones car you got to mm -hmm. do with your feet. I mean, sure. all this was ridiculous. And then I'll never forget, we sat down with this guy, this retirement guy who was attached to our work. And we, we sat down and showed him everything. And we said, well, when can we retire? At first, at first of all, he, yeah, we wanted to know what, what's, what's it looking like? When, when can we retire? And the first thing he said was, well, Mark. <laughs> That, that, but, that really rubbed me the wrong way. When he went back and he did the numbers and he came back and he said, 85, 85, yes. are yes. you out of your go oh, back again? You know, depression. and so, and that was yeah. when we felt like we had done everything right. And we were like, this is crazy. That's not a path we can continue because we're not going to be doing this when we're 85. I'm not going to mm. wait till I'm 85. That's crazy. So we made moves to rearrange all our money. So it didn't depend on this guy and his company and his projections. Um, but from our point of view, we were like, let me see. The two options are you keep us alive on paper here till we're 100 and then we can't retire until we're 99.5. Uh, yeah. Or we just say, you know what? Let's just call it a day at 75 or and then yeah. let's do something else. Now, he wouldn't do that. He made it 85. Remember? He yeah, fought yeah. us to death. Yeah. Know, if you, yeah. So we sort of do the... Mm -hmm. do the math right to be right. fair he had a hard time wrapping his mind around the affordability of living here as well they don't trust because, that yeah why, yeah, why would they yeah it is yeah i mean and also we live in a teeny tiny house do you have four cats still no darling we only have two because oh. our, we moved here with four one of them passed away uh three weeks after we moved which oh. is pretty tough and then we lost another one uh, a few months ago just a couple yeah. months Aww. ago i think i saw um, that on your social media yeah, yeah. Okay. now we have two okay. left we have soxy and we have Hoover. we have one vomiter and one non-vomiter <laughs> okay yeah. for listeners yeah. who don't understand where we're going with this there's a part <laughs> of the book that describe, describes when certain actions or sounds occur everyone mans their station or disaster strikes because they have an open stairway and if the yeah. cat <laughs> is elevated on the open stairway it's going to be a very large cleaning nice. we described that in graphic yeah. detail. The, well, it's funny because that was the opening chapter of the book where we were trying to describe what a typical day was like here. And in general, what we have done with our book, what we do with our social media, and what we do with our clients is try to convey what it actually is, not some rando fantasy that you're never going to get a recreate. Love that. So I love our life here, but we do live in a super tiny house. And when the cat vomits on the stairs, it is a flipping nightmare because it is crazy. There's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide, you know? Thank God yeah. the fan and was not <laughs> sitting right there at the time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Living in a really tiny space has a super, a lot of advantages, but it also has a lot of downsides. And so mm -hmm. I love that you guys did that. And I love that we're doing that. Um, we are not in love with Denver where we currently live and our mm -hmm. attitude tends to be, why do we want to spend money here? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? We're waiting yeah. for Italy in 2027. Yeah. We'll hopefully um, qualify yeah. for our ERV with our social security and his pension. Unless mm -hmm. of course, Italy goes to what we see the trend being now, which is quote unquote each. It used to be 31,000 euros plus 20% yes. for the second person. I think, um, I think it is going to be equal yeah, it, and many consulates are already moving that way. But one of the beauties yeah. of Italy, this is a total side conversation here. One of the beauties of mm -hmm. Italy is that 
they're not necessarily consistent. Just recently, a friend of ours has a first-person resource where the couple absolutely made it uh, through Miami, and I think it was July. I think they got their ERVs in July, and they did not qualify at, at each. Oh, so inconsistencies mm-hmm. can drive you mad and yeah. help us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I think I understand where they're coming from of saying all the costs of living are going up. I think they here and why they're making it more expensive. Also, most of the people who are coming on ERVs, if it's anything from the people that I know personally and all the things I read, they are buying big, big places. What I would consider big, right? Mm-hmm. So then- Big by when, our standards, yeah. Like yeah. Here, the cost of a bag of pellets that you use to heat the house, 15 kilogram co- bag of pellets costs three and a half euro. And we would need 35 of those for the whole winter. Roughly. And then, so, you know, figure what that's going to cost you for heating for the winter. Not a lot, but then the, a year and a half later, they were 12 euro. Oh, wow. So now for us, thank you. Now we need 35 bags, right? So you still need 35 bags, Mm -hmm. um, or you could, you know, get an extra sweater and extra socks and take it down to 32 bags, but you're still getting around there. But, but the fact the fact a... that our place was so small, the price jump in the cost of those pellets to heat our house in the winter was really was hit. pretty was pretty small overall in terms of overall spending. Whereas somebody that bought a big villa with four bedrooms and all that other stuff, uh, as as some of the uh, Americans that we know have these big big places like that, and they have Brits. to close off and Brits as well. Yeah. yeah, and they live in a single room all winter, basically, huddled, yeah. uh, over a flame. Yeah. And, and they keep everything totally sad. closed off for for three, yeah, four, and it's like five they months. Don't, yeah, they don't enjoy the space that they bought. It feels like a burden. They can't leave it because they've got. Well, now we have to do this with the garden. We have to do this with the pool. We have to do what to do. They have to do all kinds of stuff. And so people will often say to us, um, "Well, this is crazy what you're doing in this small space." But if I feel like I would really like to, you know, what I'm missing is I, I wish we had a hot tub. I wish we had a pool. Well, I just pack up and go rent a place for a week and then I sit in the pool and it's great. It's a double benefit because as you're doing that, you can travel, write about it, share it. It's another Little Roads Europe exploratory experience, etc. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, in the summer, it's very hot here in the summer and I do miss, I'd, I'd love to just loll around in a pool all day, every day. <laughs> But then I would have to care if I owned it, then I'd have to care for that pool the other eight months of the year that I don't use it. It it kind of it's like if you were going to eat a chocolate cheesecake every day and then you wouldn't really enjoy it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, well, I I look forward to that chocolate cheesecake all year and then I get it for one week and then I'm like, enough with the cheesecake. Well, also, (laughs) that analogy would especially only work if you're also uh, obligated to make the cheesecake Mm -hmm. every day and clean up after it and pay for all those ingredients every day. But I won't lie, I get annoyed with this house sometimes and can't do There's a lot of things. Like it's not, it's very difficult to have guests, but we knew that when we moved you know we knew that if we had people come and i don't mean house guests because i don't need house guests just get a hotel people yeah Yeah, but i mean like having a dinner party i love it when our friends come to visit because they can just stay in a hotel and then uh, which and there's plenty of nice places here that are really cheap and then we can all go out to dinner and everybody has their privacy after and that's i really appreciate that Yes, yes i do miss a little being able to invite my friends into my home to cook a meal at our table sit down um and since we don't have a table 
or an oven that is larger than like a Holly Hobby oven, but you just go take them out to dinner somewhere nice yeah. instead. And in fact, you are actually more embodying the true Italian culture by focusing not on your own personal space. I have a good friend, Mark Hinshaw. Everybody hears me talk about him every show, yes, but really yeah. everybody needs Mark Hinshaw as their friend. He gives me so much insight into Italian culture. He writes and he's made some just amazing stories about the heart of Italians and their lives amongst Italians. One of the things that he repeatedly points out is how interesting it is that the American culture is about my space, my comfortable space, my, 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 my personal space. And I don't mean like my bubble around me. I mean, my home, my car, mm. my, 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 my. Whereas the Italian culture is, and we see it in the Immobiliari and Idealista pages, right? Small house, not completely decked out with every single thing that we Americans mm -hmm. would, would find necessary or decorated mm -hmm. to the ends, et cetera, but rather that passeggiata, that, that life mm -hmm. in the community, the life and relationships amongst the people are more the focus in that culture, whereas we're more insular. So you guys are actually, you forced yourselves in a way to live more like Italian culture by having a tiny space and then living outside of your own personal purchase space. And I kind of mm. love that. <laughs> yeah, we, we do too. And in fact, it's worth like they, they like to say here, vale la pena, which means it's worth the price. Yeah, or worth, yeah. The, worth the yeah. cost. And I think yeah. it's funny too. Our house, we have made a lot of effort to make this house comfortable in the tiny space that it is, meaning sure. nice couches to sit on because we work here. Yes. We work here. So, so nice places to sit. And also, I cook a lot. And so, where, you know, I, it's not, um, there's a lot of things I've had to give up cooking because it's just not, you know, what I would really like a slow cooker. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Where are we going to put that? I literally don't have space for a Choices. slow cooker. So yeah. Bye. Yeah. And I, I think we would also like, uh, oh, I wanted to get an air fryer, but there's where are we supposed to put an air fryer? Right. And the other thing I wanted to get was I used to have in the house, the soda stream where you could make the, yeah, but there's not, I literally don't have counter space. Yeah, we're not getting any of that. Forget it, it's done, yeah. Or rather, which which things do you want to give up This is to the thing. make room for that? Yeah, yeah. Do you it causes up? you to pare down. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. really does. It really does. But I mean, we have made a comfortable space in here that we can be in. We are at home a lot. We just don't, because we work here, but we just don't entertain like we used to have people over. It, it's more of just only our space because it's so small. And we also have to be home a lot for our cat overlords who require our attention <laughs> uh, quite a bit. I mean, we can't, you know, like... You had to go to the stock disappointment today. Well, that was very rude of you. That was that was a lot yeah. of that was a lot of neglect. Oh um, my yeah, goodness, you're going to probably yeah. pay yeah. for it later. So, oh my goodness. This is something that I think is is an important idea for anybody considering moving to Italy is to not try to recreate their life as it was in the US because there was something about Italy that made you want to move here and and a big part of that is getting into the rhythm of the way they do things, which means taking your passeggiata, going to get your coffee, chatting with the guys in the square and whatever, yeah. uh, your coffee in the morning and your aperitivo in the evening or, you know, whatever in between. Well, that's true. And learning about the way, not just the timing, but the, the manner in which they do things. So, so I, I think maybe this is coming into my mind, but I think a good example would be, I've had to do two mammograms here. Mm-hmm. And boy, they are different than the U.S. And so I'd say, well, what do I need? Okay, well, if I put it in this new context, what I need is this medical exam. And then 
what is, how is everybody else doing it? I'm going to do it like that. And then the second things that I think I need would be like privacy or where they play nice music or they treat you nicely, they speak to you. Throw all that out the window because it's not going to happen because okay. nobody cares. It is like a factory. You know, you go in, it's not dissimilar. Like an to, assembly line or something. It yeah. is an assembly. It's just got, nobody cares. There's no. To me, that makes better sense with healthcare money. I don't really need your fancy yeah. robe and your music yep. and lights yeah. and, you know, blah, 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 yeah. the special things they have in the room for when I get changed again. I don't need any of that from you. I need a mammogram. Right. right. Well, well, and like the last one I got, I got in a van, it's uh -huh. not down by the river, but a van it was right outside of a hospital and you stepped in to the- Like a not, sort of a camper van. Sort yeah. Of not like yeah. a murder van, but like a larger <laughs> van. Well, guess what? The technician is a man right. and it's not like a surprise to him that I have different body parts. He's seen it all. <laughs> so that part you just have to get over because I've never, you know, never dealt with a man. They're just like, listen, we have to take an image of your boob. So let's get on with it. Let's yeah. move. Yeah. And then I did it. And this other man just walked in from the street. <laughs> Well, another, te another technician. Another right? technician oh, okay, who okay. was a doctor. And it was like, no knock, no, just whatever. Because he had to go talk to another technician. They're busy. You know, if that happened in the U.S., I think it might end up on CNN. They um, care about is the outcome of the healthcare, and And, and those outcomes are very, are very good. They, they are yeah, very good. Yeah, and, but yeah. I had to get over all the accoutrement. And, and it's hard to get past that because, um, you know, we're so conditioned. Mm -hmm. And, um, it, it, you know, in a not dissimilar vein, like absolutely everyone here goes to the beach and goes to thermal baths. So a, a woman who is 85 years old, who is 400 pounds, will be in a bikini at the beach and that there'll probably be 15 or 20 of such women. Mm -hmm. And no one cares because enjoy the beach. Enjoy your day. I bought my first swimsuit here after we moved here because I realized, hey, nobody cares. I'm allowed to go. Yeah, and yeah. This is, it's been is it's important. been great. I've reintroduced myself to water, mm. and nobody cares. Nobody's watching you. No one's making fun of you. So it, there's positives and negatives with everything. But it's interesting with these, um, like this mammogram experience. Just that it's the same thing that is a positive, which, which allows me to be at the beach without finger pointing and snickering. Is the same thing that makes me just a little uncomfortable oh. in a mammogram, where I'm like, I would like a little privacy. And then I realize, you know what? Just don't worry about it. No one cares. Nobody cares yeah. in the van yeah. or at the beach cares. either way. Yeah. yeah no. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Um, we don't value people who are too old. We don't value people who are too young. We value the middle where you make money because we mm -hmm. value money. We value image. We value exterior. Yeah. We value our own my, 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 my. And though many Americans, and I'm speaking to Americans because I am, though the audience is bigger, bear with us. I, I feel like those are some things about us that unfortunately don't translate well to healthy and happy lives. Whereas what you're experiencing in Italy, the prioritization of the person doesn't matter what age, doesn't matter what size, doesn't matter what you look like. The priority of the person, including their health, <laughs> mm -hmm. is just a totally and completely different way of observing humanity. And I feel like it really is. And that. you know, it's funny here, there is a saying, which is to cut a good figure. Mm -hmm. which is, you mm -hmm. know, to look nice. Like you don't want to look like a, a, a sack of garbage out in public. <laughs> so it's interesting that this dichotomy is there because it is like we, it's definitely a thing of you should look nice. Mm -hmm. Not, not everyone is not saying everybody has to dress nice. Like the way you would get dressed in 1950 effort? to go to the grocery store. 
it's no it I, is like well, um i think i think it is if by that you mean showing showing that you went to the effort to put on a clean pair of pants and a clean shirt and and shave in the case of men shave your face a little bit and but you don't have to be a supermodel or if you just don't have uh, the genetics that people are valuing you know what yeah. i mean that's the part that really that i feel really like gets here me. it is like well this is valued like hey that's a good thing but it doesn't mean the reverse that if you're not doing it then just go die in a hole or whatever yeah like, i feel very accepted here in a way that i did not feel accepted in the u.s i i think and i hope we don't look like rich americans okay who are who are sw who are swaggering around entitled to whatever not. they want at any I moment mean, yikes uh so we don't look like that so that's a that's a positive to me but they do see us as sort of maybe a little poor which is okay too i don't care if they think that because as soon as they start talking to us and they learn that we are uh, musicians, especially classical musicians, that immediately elevates us. That elevates us in their mind. Okay. So, so it's nice. It's nice for us in particular, and I, I understand that that's not a circumstance that most of, that's a of your phenomenon. listeners well, yeah. will. So, yeah. how did you convert from okay, we think that we would like to actually live in that culture, to getting a work visa, not just one, two? Truly, I call you unicorns when I talk about work visas. Well, we know very few other Americans that have work visas here. Um, yeah. I can count them on one hand. What happened basically was we, uh, on one visit here to Italy, we decided to go talk to, in fact, the same visit where we first saw Soriano in 2019. We decided to go again because of Zen's exhaustive research. She had identified a uh, immigration lawyer who lived and worked in, in Florence. And so we decided to make an appointment with him and chat with him about whatever possibilities might exist to sort us out to get here. We met with him. We talked about all of our Little Roads business and the travel things that we did to try to bring good travelers, good visitors, good tourists mm -hmm. to Italy, come and spend their money and experience Italy in a meaningful, respectful way. And we wrote these guidebooks and all this other stuff. So this is what we thought we were going to uh, continue doing, which we have continued doing anyway. But he said, you know what? That's great. Nobody cares about any of that stuff. <laughs> What's good for you guys is you have this long list of really great credentials as musicians and CD producers and classical composer, etc. He said, you should apply for a work visa on that basis. And what's more, you should, the quote just recently come out and this is one category that we could apply for and you should do it now. But the quotas are yearly and they change each year. He said, so you, you got to do it right now. Ready? We were expecting him to say, you basically have no chance. So the upshot is though, we paid again, just like with our fiduciary financial advisor, who we paid a nice chunk of change up front to help us get all of our well, we just things bought an together. Hour of his time we bought an hour say... of his time, said, hey, can you advise us on this? And then once we, once he, he did do that, then we gave him another much larger chunk of change to apply for the work visas. That hour them. meeting cost us like 250 euros. 240, or yeah. And then we said, let's meet him. It's kind of, you know, I remember talking to Matt about it and saying, this is kind of going to be a bummer because we're going to pay this guy to tell us that we can never do this. That's everybody's you know? fair. Yeah. yeah sure, at, sure. at least we'll know. And then we won't be, then we won't. So what not, if ourselves for yeah, the next 20 years. The next, yeah. And then just, just let's be realistic, <laughs> you know? So, um, 
look at all the rules because they're constantly changing because mm -hmm. this government is moving as many are more to the right and they are making it more difficult to move um, and they're tightening up the rules immigration here is a huge issue just as is in the united states they're kind of making it all immigration they're saying hey instead of this chunk of thirty-one thousand to support yourself plus 20 percent it's actually thirty-one thousand times two they're they're making a lot of changes so each time the rules change and they've, year, they've actually much reduced we've learned recently they've much reduced the number of uh, work visas that they're offering every year, oh, at least from the states. Mm -hmm. Back when we applied, they were only giving 3,000. Um, now, apparently, it's something like 500. It's 500 yeah. now. But you know what I would say is that a lot of people yeah. say, well, I did it myself. And it is But they might possible? have done it in 1984. Right. Not, well, or yeah. even five years ago. Some things about what it's going to actually be like to live here are kind of constant. Some sort of day-to-day -day stuff. Some cultural yeah. things. And some of those aspects are constant. But I know people get disappointed when they ask us and then we say, well, we can help you with these issues that are constant. But the specifics, which are really quite important, are something you're going to have to hire someone to help you who is current on those issues. So then, you know, people get a little disappointed because they want it to be easier than it is. And I, I get that because it is a very complicated process. But ultimately, I guess I would say, if it's really in you and you're really driven to, to do it, then it is worth that investment to honestly to find out one way or the other and to help moderate your your expectations. You know, we read a lot on uh, social media, different groups that are like expat groups. Mm -hmm. Every once in a while, someone will pop up on one of those groups and say, I moved to Italy and then I realized I was illegal and I had to go away. I oh, sold my wow. home. I quit my job. I moved. And then once I got here, I realized that I'm going to be deported. Yeah, I discovered I'm not allowed so to work. I discovered I can't open a bank yeah. account oh, or wow. it's extremely difficult. And I, just, I, yeah, I can't get a driver's oh, license wow. and I can't and I have to leave within 90 days. These are definitely things to, to learn about ahead of yeah, time. Absolutely. Yeah, def the day of I wouldn't probably go so far as to say that an ERV or an elective residence visa is unattainable by yourself. Still plenty of people are doing that. But in certain consulates right now, you darn well better make certain that you know kind of what the new trends are. And of course, they're unofficial. Right. But becoming more widely talked about in other consulates, yeah, probably still doable by yourself. But the other visas, mm -mm. if you were getting an ERV, you wanted to do it on your own, but you were intending to sell everything, including your home and move here for the rest of your life. That's definitely worth hiring somebody to help you before you do that. Because, you know, some That's of these guys don't that want to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> well put, Matt. But, I mean, to be fair, most people aren't that way. When people ask us, Italians ask us about our move here, they always assume that we are temporarily here. Right, right. Zen likes to say those things with, which really scandalizes the, the people that we yeah. talk to, especially the older people, which she says, she tells them in Italian, I'm only going to go back to the United States in ash form. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then they're, they're, they're like, oh, no, and they start crossing themselves and stuff. Oh, so that, but that okay. is and, and that's not quite true anyway, because we will go back to visit family as visits. generally better that they come to us. You know, I think they probably agree, too. All yeah. right. Well, on that note, a lot of people are utilizing the podcast the same way that I actually intended. They're mm -hmm. they're shopping towns, they're shopping regions, et cetera, for affordability. Other people maybe not actually looking at it from an affordable standpoint, but they learn a lot of everything, the region, the culture, the et cetera, and, and what is to be offered. So we're going to focus a little bit more now on the town 
that Matt Walker and Zenba Bowers have moved to. The town name is Soriano nel Cimino. They're about, uh, from what I saw on Google Maps, maybe an hour and 25 minutes drive north from Rome, about an hour and 45 by train. I'm sure that that's probably variable. Google isn't always entirely correct for me. As listeners know, one of the important things that Pete and I are weighing in terms of where we would like to land in Italy is proximity to water. And I thought that I saw you guys were pretty close, maybe an hour and 10 minute drive. Tarquinia, am I saying that correctly? We are. We are just a little over an hour to the sea. And also, if you go in the opposite direction or south, we are about an hour to Bracciano, Lago Bracciano, so big, big lake. We are about 45 minutes to Lago Bolsena. So those are freshwater lakes that you can swim. I don't know if that's on your radar or not. There's also Lago Trasimeno, which is another hour north, and that is a really, really nice one. Then, unfortunately, Lago di Vico, about 20 minutes from here, go take a walk around it, but you wouldn't want to get in it because it's been destroyed by hazelnut farming, and everybody loves hazelnuts so much. We have hazelnuts all in this area. Large producers like uh, Ferro Rocher, chocolate the producers. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. richest man in Italy. He's man in Italy, yeah. and the company has uh, taken over huge swaths of real estate all around this area and extending out, removing everything else except for hazelnut. Well, it's very important to this area because everybody loves Nutella and everybody loves Ferrero Rocher. And we did too. And when we first moved here, we were like, oh my God, these hazelnut kind of forests. Because there are acres and acres of these big hazelnut groves and they're all in perfect rows. And so you look down, you look down and you're like in a little magical tunnel, like uh, Mm. you you expect leprechauns to hop out or something. (laughs) So it's a little bit of a bummer to say that hazelnuts are extremely poisonous because of the way that they are farmed. And so like Lago di Vico has been poisoned to where you can't swim in it because of all the runoff of the hazelnuts, the pesticide has gone into the lake and destroyed it. Matt and Zenaba, this goes contrary to discussions about farming and agriculture in Italy. This we, is actually exceptionally interesting. We, we know this, is, this was contrary to what we had previously understood and we were shocked to learn Right. That, it, that it's such a uh, insidious industry, Now, can I say, it doesn't mean you can't like hazelnuts. It just right. means you have right. to be more selective. It's like yeah. the difference between like, hey, I like pulled pork. Okay, great. I also like pulled pork. Do you want to get pulled pork from like Piggly Wiggly in the sale lot? No, then you know it's going to be the worst pulled <laughs> pork ever. Factory farmed, like that pig had a horrible life. Hmm. So then you have to just suck it up and get a, a pig from a real farm. It's the same way with hazelnuts. So we don't eat hazelnuts find, anymore. You can for find rarely. hazelnuts here that are farmed responsibly without the pesticides. Okay. Yeah. By the way, the interesting thing I think is the reason that they need to put so many pesticides in is because they've clear cut everything else. And normally, not in the wild, but when hazelnuts used to be cultivated along with other plants. In the near vicinity, there was a uh, sort of symbiotic biosphere or something right, that that right. Uh, the plants sort of took care of each other. The ecosystem uh, and, was balanced. And prevented, yeah, exactly the yeah, ecosystem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now, when they wiped out everything, then they had to replace replace They're that with farming with, like Americans. But when you yeah, when you yes. cut down all the flowers, yes. then the bees don't have anything to eat. So yes. for instance, yeah. right, yeah. and so, birds I mean, are entirely take... important. You need hedgerows, right. 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 et cetera, so et cetera. It's a, so this, it's a, it's hard, and I know. And this particular get... industry is has been, I think, much less regulated than the the wine industry here, which is highly regulated, or the olive industry, mm-hmm. which is also highly regulated to the point that it's illegal if you buy a property and it has any olive trees on it at all. You cannot remove them. Period. Full hmm. stop. Um, because those aspects of Italian agriculture have been really heavily controlled for decades or centuries, really. 
So hazelnuts is a problem. So like Lago Bolsena, very beautiful lake that is still very, very good for fishing, swimming, and beauty. The people that live around that are working very hard to keep it that way from hazelnut farming because it wouldn't take too long if all the property around it got sold up by hazelnut farms, then that lake will also be poisoned to death. Oh my so goodness, this is like a peek a, under the skirts of, of agriculture is, and, and big money a, in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Personally, when I find that something I like isn't the way that I thought it was, I'm mm-hmm. a little bummed. But then I feel invigorated because I think, well, I could actually do something about it. And so instead of contributing to the problem and then just putting my head in the sand and pretending it didn't happen, and then being shocked when all these places I love are poisoned to death, I could just say, you know what, maybe I'll just quit yeah. subsidizing this thing that is, yeah. you know, so right. it's just, a, anyway, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I don't want to be obnoxious about it, but that is what one of the things we've learned of living in an area that farms hazelnuts and people have mixed feelings because a lot of people that live and work here live and work farming hazelnuts. And so yeah. it maybe isn't their favorite thing to talk about the hazelnuts oh, are. As I said, that is not what we hear about about agriculture in Italy. So yeah. you guys have kind of found a, a sideline there that is not common, not commonly known about. Um, and it is very contrary to what we also thought. And contrary to what I think in general is more true, they use they use far fewer pesticides here in general for agriculture. Yeah. Um, not not zero, but but far far fewer in quantity and in the number of different things that are allowed to be. So one of the reasons that you know Americans' early farming practices started to change was to try and increase yield for the greatest profitability. Correct, which has not sure. been typically the European. That's not how they farm theoretically. So yield not being the overall driving mm-hmm. force, mm-hmm. reputedly. Italy would have better tasting and in some cases, miraculously, even more affordable produce. What do you guys find with that? Because that's the part that doesn't fit the American picture, right? That's definitely true. I think uh, in general, the produce here we find is a a lot cheaper if if you compared apples to apples, literally and figuratively in terms of price here and in the US, you're gonna be paying way, way more in the US, definitely. Okay. There's some differences in doing that. Um, and although this has changed a little bit in the last 10 years uh, with the advent of just more efficient transport systems and stuff, but generally you can't find, for instance, a broccoli. You're not gonna find a broccoli in July. One thing that's good to note, for example, for people who are worried about um, like affordability is that everything rots really fast here. Because the way, they're, the way they are bred for actual taste and nutrition rather than durability for shipping totally but, but generally the the way of life here reflects that and that's why everybody goes and gets their shopping done every day or every other day something that's a little different here than in the u.s also is like let's say i want to make a chicken soup okay and i need two ribs of celery and i need one carrot and one onion no problem because I will just go in and I will say, can I just have some celery? I only need two. And they rip off two things so and then go, charge me for those two. Yeah. Seriously. Carrot. Yeah, I need a carrot. I need a little yeah. bit of parsley. And they just go, oh, okay. Rip, so they just rip. grab a little bunch of parsley. Yeah, here's you, some yeah. parsley. And then they just add it up and they charge you for that bit. So you don't have to buy things in these huge bulk amounts. But for yeah. people that are concerned about affordability, I would say one of the things to think about is understanding that the reason why the shopping is cultural is because the produce is bred to be given to you in a short distance, not trucked from California 
to Vermont. It's bred for flavor, um, not durability. And then that helps you not throw out so much when you first move here because you would just buy what you need. Do you have more than one market there? There are two supermarkets quite close to us. Three, well, they're, they're quite small. Oh, no, 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 there's DPU. Yeah, that's the yeah. third one now. But but when, when we say supermarkets, they're really quite small. Okay. But so, those are three markets that have and that's everything. The big one. Meat, cheese, mm. bread, vegetables, General like shampoo, and... things like okay. that. So yeah. you can walk so there's to... three of those. Yeah. But then there are many, many little shops that specialize in a certain thing just like the fruit and vegetable shop four or the... five different bakers that make bread there are four or five different bakeries that make cookies and pastries there are five or six different fruit and vegetable vendors there is a shop that sells only cheese there are a couple of other shops that sell a mix of sliced meat meat and cheese there's three or four different butchers there's two different wine vendors. Nope, three, where you can go and buy vino sfuso, which means uh, you bring your container to them and they fill it up with local wine. Love that. Um, yeah, we do So too. there's the, all the little shops that I just mentioned, they all close during the afternoon. So you have to go to your shop in the morning or evening. They all close at one and they open up somewhere between 3.30 and 5.30 or something. And then they're open until 7 or 8 maybe. And our town has 8,000 people total. Okay. In the old part of town, it has maybe a thousand. And then there's 8,000 in the surrounding. We are not in the old part of town. We are looking at the old part of town. Oh, okay. Okay. We're right on the edge, really. We're just. We have a five minute walk okay. from the old part of town, which is like a little tiny center. A little historic area. Yeah. You really can't drive a car up there. You can't park. I think you guys in your book uh, described a parking challenge that was happening below your balcony. <laughs> that was absolutely. Oh, uh, that was yeah. that was when we that, that was when we were still uh, visiting here, and we were okay. staying at that apartment up above okay. the piazza. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, we watched this entire drama. Now that's in the piazza, yeah. which is just outside what I would call the old part of town. Okay. It goes, there's like a gate that you enter, which is where they would have, in the 14th century that gate was the stopping point. So that was like the hill town, right? Well, so well, that was part, the, that was the Roca. The, uh, yeah, the Roca. The, the okay. castle That's, fortification. There's still an old part, part of town yeah. that expands farther outside, much farther outside from that. Okay. But I mean, the people that live in the most kind of exclusive hilltop part of the town which is the oldest part of the town that's maybe a thousand people oh at okay. the most probably less yeah than that, I bet. and then okay. but the whole Inside. town is eight thousand people and when we chose it we we chose for a lot of different reasons we always joke that one of the reasons is that the town has three different pharmacies and pharmacies here function in a different way than in the U.S. If you needed to get ibuprofen, could not get it at uh, the grocery store. They don't have like Dayquil or whatever. And the pharmacist kind of functions almost like a secondary doctor. And they can give you more medicine than a pharmacist in the U.S. could do. They, so you're going to the Without pharmacy. first getting a script. I mean, right. you're, you're going to the pharmacy. You're skipping a whole appointment. You get to just be sick and maybe, walk in and get what maybe, you need. Maybe, maybe. De yeah, depending, okay. on, depending on what your malady is. Yeah, yeah. And at any rate, this town had three different pharmacies. And that was important because we were looking at longevity long term. And we said, well, we'll probably pick one that will be the pharmacy that we go to normally. But then what if like somebody gets hemorrhoids or something? You're going to have to go to another pharmacy, you know, because, and then not go back to that one for like a year. 
you got to have more than one, you know? So it's like if yeah, something yeah. really all the, horrible For happens, any embarrassing things, you go to the other one. I see. And then, and then, I see. And yeah. Anonymity. Yeah, and then okay, like, okay. In 8,000 people, I don't think you have much chance of anonymity being American. I don't think so. Maybe not, but I mean, yeah. we still have our, just let us have our fantasy, okay? Don't burst okay. my bubble, you know? So I just... <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, for us, this town is perfect because all the things we just said are things you can walk to. Hmm. What about hospital? Well, let me just finish that one thought. Oh, sure, sure. Yes, sorry. There's all the things that you can go to that you could walk to and you wouldn't have to have a car, mm-hmm. but and you see, you could get to it all without a car. And that was important. Pretty much every, there's a car dealership here. Hmm. There's a, a, a car wash here. I mean, there's clothes stores here. So there's, you could kind of do it all. And that was important for us to think about um, because we didn't want to have the pressure of always having to drive, especially what if we were infirm or old or yeah. couldn't do it or whatever, some reason. Love that forward thinking. So that was in our mind. But then when you say hospital, well, the the nearest hospital is 20 minutes away. You can get healthcare here because we have several different doctors in town. There's a thing that used to be a hospital here, but they shut down in the last 15 years or so. And now it functions to do, like you had to get blood tests done and you got them done there. They, they do certain sort of minor procedures there and it's mostly an administrative place. I went point. and okay. I got a pap smear there. So that type of test, but like, I think if you broke your finger or something, you got to go over to Viterbo, to Belcole, and that is, Which is 20 tw- minutes away. I think if you had to, uh, you could take a cab. In theory, yeah. Like yeah. if, uh, let's say you broke your finger. Okay. I'm not sure that they would handle that. I'm not 100% sure. And I'm not going to do it to help you find out. <laughs> no um, problem. I'm not going to do it for the listening but, audience okay. either. So. Okay. <laughs> you were in our town and you had a medical emergency that was really for serious. Like then an ambulance will take you to the hospital. If you had something like a broken ankle, then that person would not get it fixed here. I think they would have to go to Bill Cole, but I think you yeah. could get a cab if you couldn't get the ambulance. Our little town, Soriano del Camino, is in the province of Viterbo, which is the larger town nearby here, which is about 80,000 people, I think. It's still... Okay. Yeah. yeah. Regional center. Good. Hey, I live in uh, suburbia, Denver, and I'm 25 minutes on a good day to the hospital. Okay. So, and we have many hospitals here. So you guys are equivalent or maybe even better considering traffic. We thought, you know what, if we were older and we were unable to drive, by the time we got to that point, we would have a friend we could bum a ride off of. Okay. Or maybe by that time, Uber would have brought themselves here. But what about buses? Most small towns that that I've interviewed about have a pretty good network of of buses. I have to confess that we have literally not been on a bus a single time since we moved here. When we moved, um, we did one of those car plus flight deals. And so we were doing a one-way flight. We knew we were doing a one-way flight, but we actually bought a a round-trip flight. And we made the round-trip uh, we just never went back. I see. Because it was cheaper to do that with the car. Yes. yes. And yes. then we got the car for a month. And I think we got the two tickets plus the car for like 2400 bucks. That was still pretty okay. cheap, yeah. To yeah. have a car for a month. You know, you're going to get me over there. And then I have a rental car for 30 days. We never did get around to learning much about the bus system here. I see. Okay. But they're, they're coming and going all the time. Soriano is one major hub of the bus system for what that's worth. Yeah. I, but it's a little bit hard to get to. Like, you know, the the town through the wardrobe or whatever. It's close to Rome. And if you're driving, it's really quite easy. 
But part of the reason why it's retained so much of its charm is because we have a train station here that drops people off at the base of town. And that means they have to walk up some really like kind of steep roads and also some steps to get up to even the main piazza and then usually further to get to wherever they would stay. So it's not as easily laid out for travelers who are wanting to get to places by train. Mm -hmm. Plus our trains are not going direct to Rome. So people would have to transfer. Usually they would go to Orte and they would take a bus. There is a train that yeah. goes to Rome from Soriano. It's a, it's sort of a local that stops at 20 different stops or more on the way to Rome. And it apparently takes four hours, three oh, or four wow. hours. Okay. Yeah. And so the, the elderly or infirm who would live there, they're not going to get dropped off by a train down at the base of the, the hill and then climb up to where they live. But there might be shuttle buses, I'm going to assume, or some sort of transportation. There, well, there is, yeah, there is, there is one little uh, local shuttle bus that kind of zips around town. But again, we don't know exactly that schedule sure. or anything like okay. this. Yeah. Yeah. You'd have to study that before, and it's really not that easy. And honestly, I would say Soriano is not a good place. If you have trouble walking or if you have trouble with steps, it's mm -hmm. not a good place. In Viterbo, it's nothing but the, steps here. Okay. There is the, okay. And hills up and down. Now, there are a lot of, of elderly people that live here, mm -hmm. but they've lived here their whole life. And they don't uh, walk up and down the town all day long either. They kind but of he, stick in their little area. But even if even if they do, their their stamina has been definitely, forged in the definitely. But there in, is in, the in Viterbo, there are the, the bones. Santa Rosa, who is a uh, was a fourteen year old girl who was then sainted, and she and her family back in like the thirteenth century or something. Yeah, she and her century. family were um, exiled from Viterbo, and they were sent to Soriano from as Vi a punishment because it is so hilly and that was part of their punishment was having to deal with this was this, this was considered like a godforsaken hinterland yeah 600 oh, years ago because goodness. everything yeah. was so steep and so, remote and how are the locals with you have you guys been embraced do you have friends that are italians that live there um, are you able to forge meaningful relationships or is it a little bit inclusive we definitely have some people that we're extremely fond of and and i'm not sure i could say close to because there's such a even now our italian is much much better than when we moved here it's still it still has its limitations but yeah a lot of a lot of people know us a lot of people are extremely friendly others uh, when we meet them and talk to them, sometimes they're surprised that we've lived here for four years because hmm. they live just on the other side of the oh, town. Yeah. On the other, they go to their different pharmacy and grocery stores. We travel a lot. I would definitely say the number one reason that we're a little still stranieri, meaning foreigners, is because of our language issue. But now that I said that out loud, I would have to partner it half and half with the part that our lives are just very strange. I mean, what are we musicians or are we travel planners? Or what are we doing? Are we retired or are we working? Because we're home a lot, uh -huh. but then we're working all the time. And we're not just like Americans that are retired here are kind of out and about. We are holed up, hunched over our computers a lot because we're working. And then we are uh, also playing concerts a lot because we're working. And that, that's in which, weird. In which case, we're also practicing at home too. Yeah. And yeah. so sure. our neighbors are hearing the same tunes over and over because we're playing or we're rehearsing. We have definitely forged some relationships here with different people. It, that will deepen over time as we learn more of the language. And so a lot of people have been from like tiny children together in the same class, and then they live in the same neighborhood. 
and so we don't our thing is is weird you know yeah. it doesn't really there's not a lot necessarily in yeah, common in, in the same single school in fact that, that, that kind used of thing. to be German headquarters the, the middle for school, the army. The middle school oh, here seriously. is is a former uh, German army headquarters. One one of our dearest neighbors is uh, next door, uh, living in a in a large house that's attached to ours. He built this house before he built that house, and now he lives next door to us. But this used to be his house, and his daughter, who also lives over there on a different floor, was born in this very room. And so it's it's that's that's really neat, and they yeah. we're we're extremely fond of those guys. And uh, uh, Pietro is the uh, patriarch over there, who's a fourth generation contadino, a, uh, a farmer. Hmm. He's he's eighty something now. He had a brother who was uh, who was killed during the war in an American bombing of this town. Oh wow! Um, so he was like three or five or something. There's pictures we have in our house that we've managed to find the destruction they bombed they were meaning to bomb the train line they certainly i don't think the intention was to bomb civilians but they did mm. in this town and neighboring towns in this town they killed at least 139 men women and children and they collapsed the building across the way so the the kind of iconic view that we show and on our book cover and in all the time we show that was bombed and was just oh, rubble. Wow. It was uh, well, not the castle part, but a lot of the buildings below it were because yeah. they were. I think mm. they were aiming for the train line. And in theory, yeah. Pietro's brother was killed in that. Mm. Luckily for us, he neither he nor any of locals here hold that against us as Americans. Okay. Um, but we didn't learn this thing until after we had bought. It was this the place, day so. after we signed the papers on the house. It was hard for me to picture that people could almost allow us to be here. Yeah. Under the circumstance, or even though maybe you know it wasn't, you. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. And we haven't, hard. we haven't, only felt we haven't encountered anything but really warm welcome from huh. anybody here. I, um, I did hear of one walled city, Luca, which may be a little bit harder to break into um, close relationships there. But the interesting thing that I learned from that couple was that Luca was never actually successfully invaded by the Medicis. They stayed very, very protected within their walls and therefore very insular. And we were hypothesizing that perhaps that culturally carries through to generations where it might be a little bit harder to break into intimate relationships in those circles. But I will say, I agree with you. By and large, everybody that I talk to who lives in villages outside of large cities definitely talks about this heart of the Italian people that's about giving, sharing, and relationship, even to the point of some responsibility for you. Yeah. I think it's so important for anybody that would think about moving to any place, not just Italy or Soriano, any place in the world, to think about how they are going to respond and learn about the place they're going. And that doesn't mean that you have to be completely changed to that culture because every culture shifts and changes naturally. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about the real estate market in Soriano. First idea was to get a place that was in the oldest part of town because it just mm -hmm. seems in the, in the sort of castle section. Yeah. yeah like Top of the be... wedding cake. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we thought about that. And actually this place was like the last on the list. It had a great view. It wasn't in that area. And we were thinking we really should get something in that area. And we looked at a lot of places. We told the the real estate guy that we were looking at stuff at from sort of picked the number of fifty thousand. And he showed us some things that were like sixty, seventy-five, eighty, some. And some that as were well. like fifteen, twenty. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah really. And, but we did not want to do too much stuff inside. When we came, we were thinking we want to engage in the least amount of that possible. And we looked at all the different places. And this place really fit the bill because when we came in, it had a bunch of walls in here that were kind of dumb, very boxy and stressy. But then the, uh, but it had this incredibly gorgeous view of the castle outside this thing. And then the, the realtor and the um, contractor said, yeah, we can knock down those walls. It's not, that's not a problem. And it's not, not going to cost that much. We thought, okay, well then maybe we could do it and just make it one big open. It was funny because um, we had indicated to the contractor, like, well, we only want, you know, we want these couple of walls gone, but leave this one. And it would be nice if there, that this wall remained that would separate the foyer, dining room, and kitchen. kitchen from the bedroom. He was like, oh, okay, great, great, great. And then a couple of months later, he's working and he sends us a picture. You knocked know, down every all, single wall. All the walls. In, in retrospect, it was a really good thing that made the space really nice. Okay. I think if you are thinking about coming here, how much work do you want to do and how serious are you going to be about exactly how these changes have to be? This sort of touches on the idea in general with anybody moving here, wanting to live here, and then expressing frustration with not being able to get a plumber to come out in a timely way, you really do need to be flexible with it because the reason that you wanted to move to Italy was La Dolce Vita, mm-hmm. right? And that's great. But you know who else wants to live La Dolce Vita is all of those other people, including your hydraulic. <laughs> if something doesn't seem to be going the way we want it to, the best thing is not to get indignant and, well, I can't believe. Entitled, yeah. Yeah, entitled. The best thing is to put on what we call the Questura face, which is this lost puppy dog look. I yeah. think that is amazing advice. <laughs> that, that really gets, well, it's easy for us because really in general, we are we are very grateful to be here. That's what we want to. That this is where we want to be, we and we pretty much time. do anything to be here. So it comes naturally. But I would advise anybody else if you wanted to have an easy path here, that's pretty much the best way to go. Is just be grateful to be here. People read that off of your body language. I think sure, mm-hmm. sure, and especially Questura face. That was great. <laughs> well, I did a little poking around about real estate, and I will say that I have learned, if nothing else, I have learned that um, Idealista and Immobiliari are not reflect necessarily of what the local housing market really is. But in terms of um, what I found, there is a broad range of housing available in your area. I mean, from mm-hmm. uh, houses that need total rehabilitation and therefore yes. are extremely inexpensive, all the way up to multi-million dollar villas. And again, you're an hour and 20 minutes from yes, Rome, yes. so one would have to assume that you are definitely in outskirts, um, almost suburb um, for some people. Listen, people do come from Rome, from Soriano, they do go work in Rome, some people. Sure. Immobiliari had a 90,000 euro home with two beds and it had, it mentioned two bathrooms in one part of the description, but then in other parts of the descriptions, it said one, two bathrooms would be like so nice for many people. Yeah. About 90,000 euros, it had two balconies on the finishes. It could use a little love, but it was uh, incredible views Mm -hmm. and seemed like, you know, that would actually be a pretty good value to be so close to Rome, especially. There was another very charming with much better finishes, one bed, one bath, terrazzo garden, et cetera, 135 euros. I think they said that was in a Centro. 
And then there was a 165,000 euro semi-detached house in a, in a piazza, very modernized, seven rooms total, so four bedrooms, three baths, totally habitable, gorgeous views from the terrazzo. It had a garage surrounded by a garden mm -hmm. too. It's really hard for me to know um, when I'm looking at real estate, what I'm looking at and if it actually is anywhere near what the actual housing market there would be. Do you guys know in terms of buying or renting kind of what things are, what, what's happening? In Soriano? We have some friends who have been renting. They got a five-year lease on a place up in the, the old town, the Roca, that we were talking about. Mm -hmm. It's a one-bedroom place that's a little bit bigger than ours, so probably 600 I think their place feet, is like much that. more physically comfortable than our place. Like oh. if you're sitting in the place. Because it's laid out in, in rooms. And they're, I think it's they're, much nicer. It's they're got renting. a much bigger bathroom. They have a little terrace, too, over, and they have overlooking a, the other side. And so all of that is like by its face is all of that is better mm -hmm. but then there are two downsides i would say to it it has electric heat so you're mm -hmm. really reliant on that and that could really kill you mm -hmm. that gets very expensive also heat. Yeah, yeah. there yeah. is no parking around it so oh. and you've got to walk up and down a not lot just to get not to just it. parking you can't drive up to it's, it at all price of this apartment is pretty good it's and quite good yeah it's how, good what they're renting that for it's it's 300 euro per month Oh, wow. Oh, they bought a five year lease for that. So okay. I suppose on a shorter term, maybe you would have to pay a little bit more. I'm not really sure. sure. What is the hottest hot usually? I know this summer has been especially brutal. What is the hottest yeah. hot you guys suffer? It got well up over, I guess that would be 100. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Any number of days over the summer. Yeah. Last year, we added uh, an, a unit that is air conditioning and heating. Mm -hmm. Good. How about winter? How cold does it get? And you mentioned snow, I think. We've seen almost zero snow since we've moved here. No, we've seen pictures of snowy Soriano back in the day, and it would pile up to the point that the trains couldn't run through and stuff like that. And since we've been here, and since several years at least before we moved here, there's been little or zero snow. However, it did get cold any number of times. You know, it did get below freezing a, a, a bunch. Mm -hmm. um, I doubt if we'd seen anything less than about 25 or something Fahrenheit. Okay. Natural disasters. You seem to be a little further away from the earthquake centers. I'm assuming. Actually, you know. this is an area that is uh, liked by the Italian government to dump nuclear waste in oh, because of its fact. inability. To because the, ge geologically, this zone is pretty not susceptible to earthquakes. So that was like, uh, like a year and a half ago, they were talking about so that. So they're saying because of that, this might be a good place. It's a to... great place to put it because. So it hasn't happened you know, yet, but it's being considered I, or there. Well, well it was so. considered. There was a huge, was a huge uproar for a while. About it and I haven't heard anything about it for a while, but I, what I did learn out of that is that this is a desirable area to put that in because it, we won't have earthquakes in this area. I feel like we're i'll tell you what we experienced last year which was pretty tough was last summer all across the country a 70-year drought but what happened here was uh, several of the homes in neighborhoods that were kind of in the not in the center as close to the center as we are but were a little farther out did not have water because they apparently are getting water to their homes from tanks and those tanks weren't getting filled up and people were getting really upset about it, understandably. And they had to bring these trucks Big water in trucks with in, yeah. full of water. Yeah. And they put a whole thing of you're not allowed to water your plants. You're not allowed to fill up your pools or wash your car. 
Italy particularly is facing what's probably going to be a pretty severe lack of water in the next few years because so much of the rivers that that feed so many of the agricultural areas are coming up from the Alps and the Alps aren't getting as much snow retention as they Mm. used to because of uh, global Mm. warming and climate change. So the, the sort of base of snowfall and precipitation up there that kind of gets stored up and then melts down in the spring just isn't happening and so many regions like the the Po River Valley and uh, the whole region uh, around in Emilia Romagna uh, Parma Modena Bologna over to Ravenna that that's a huge sort of breadbasket region and the Italians are now starting to have to think about different ways of doing the agriculture uh, and maybe growing different things at different times sure, and stuff like that sure. because because of this uh, present and looming lack of water. And I had not heard about yeah. that being a potential problem in the north and central. You know, you're always aware of it in the south, and that's talked about quite a bit. But wow, I had not realized nobody will be left uh, unmarred. No, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have? Are you aware of assisted living facilities or nursing homes in your town or close to? We know of only one. There are more than one, I think, but we know of only one because we go up there to play. Oh. A couple of times, times a year, a year. Okay. and it's a it's a private it's a private place. But beyond that, we don't really know. They they exist. They're all over the place. But do you guys see Bedantes coming into the home and taking care of elderly people if the family's unable to, or the family just needs some extra help? Do we see what? But, They're called Bedantes. They would be like a caregiver that comes into the home to help with the elderly. Oh, um, the, those those probably exist, but I don't. I wouldn't again okay. wouldn't know necessarily. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And what's your favorite airport that you find yourselves using? Do you go to Fiumcino or do you go elsewhere? F- favorite airport is a funny way to put it because it's <laughs> like saying, what's your favorite root canal? Yeah. <laughs> Before we moved here, uh, we flew into either Fiumicino in, in Rome, outside of Rome, or uh, Milan, Malpensa up in the north, or sometimes, or sometimes Venice, and sometimes we'd fly into one and, co- and go back from another one. I have learned so much from you. You know, you oh, cheers. many years on the on the immigrant websites and, and forums, you know, the Facebook forums, talking to people. I'm amazed at the things that I learned that are actually kind of big glaring things that I've never heard before. And you guys are definitely enlightening a lot of people about some well, issues that aren't talked about. Thank you. Great, great. Um, I hope, yeah, it's, I hope yeah. it's been useful and, yes. and possibly entertaining. Yes. Yeah. So tell the audience again about your books and where they can find them. Well, we have written four guidebooks to small town, three to small town Italy, a guidebook for Tuscany, another one for Emilia Romagna, that that fantastic breadbasket region of all the mm. great food around Bologna and Parma, et cetera. And then one in lakes, uh, Lago di Garda, Iseo, Maggiore, Which is et where we're going tomorrow. Which is where mm. we're leaving out for tomorrow, yeah. Mm. And we've also written a book for uh, uh, same, the same idea, small town, staying away from the bigger tourist spots. Foodie uh, Ireland. For, for, yeah, Foodie Ireland particularly, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and then we recently re- published this memoir called I Can't Believe We Live Here. And then I, I'm not good at reciting the subtitle. I Can't Believe We Live Here, the wild but true story of how we dropped everything in the States and moved to Italy right before the end of the world. Where can people find it? That's it. Well, any anybody can uh, follow the links on our website which is littleroadseurope.com great um it's it's also uh, easily searchable on amazon barnes and noble even better because it's okay. not amazon uh, uh tell your they got enough tell your local stores that you want a copy and they can also get one for you oh good point 
Good point. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for all the sharing. It's, I feel like we have had special glasses to be able to see oh. Soriano. Soriano Nocimino. Yes. Soriano Nocimino. Yes. Yeah. It means Soriano is, everybody just says Soriano, and so it's okay to just say that. Okay. Nocimino means it is in the Cimino, the Cimino Mountain. We're on the Cimino Mountain. Okay. And I will pipe in. I have not read your whole book yet, but I've read a portion of it, and it's incredibly descriptive of that darling town. So I think um, if people oh. are seriously looking around the Rome area, again, an hour and 20 minutes outside of Rome, two, I must say, some of the best hospitals, not just in Italy, not just in Europe, <laughs> but on the globe. Um, some of the best hospitals available there. It's definitely a book that would help give you an inside look at, at Soriano. Okay, good. Well, so. fair warning about our book. There is a ton of cursing and drinking in it. So anybody <laughs> reading it, got only better. You know, <laughs> okay. All, right. Reading, yeah. All yeah. right. Well, thank you so very much. <laughs> thank really you. Really enjoyed having you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And it was thank so nice so to much. talk to you guys. Yeah. Ciao, ciao. Wow. You too. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like us and subscribe for more. We will continue to explore regions, towns, taxes, and tips here and on Facebook at Affordable Italy, Living La Dolce Vita on a bootstring, at Instagram under the same name, and eventually italyisaffordable.com. If you know anyone who is living in Italy who'd like to converse with me, I'd love to meet them via my email, italyisaffordable at gmail.com. And now for that much-anticipated limoncello. Chin chin! <laughs>